Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11th. 11 a.m. 60 seconds kids watch on the wall in the pub in the tab in the cars we remember. welcome to the painters project podcast so for this week we're going to do something a little bit different on saturday the 11th of june i went along to the perth urology clinics masterclass day and it's a great day that they have once a year and they had about 250 delegates there mostly gps but some nurses as well working in this space it's an excellent day and they have a lot of really amazing speakers all bringing all the GPs in the region up to date. There were people from the country, people from the city and all over the place. Uh, it was, they all learned a lot and I just thought it would be really fun to get the three top tips from each of the speakers. Unfortunately, we didn't catch them all, but I got quite a few of them and you'll hear them on today's podcast. And also I spoke to a number of nurses and GPs at the conference to find out what their three takeaways were from the day. So I think as um, listeners, it might be really interesting for you to know what us as health professionals learn when we go along to these study days. I also gave a talk at the end of the day, which was all about what patients want their GP to talk to them about and um, ways to bring up the conversation because it's often something that's difficult for general practitioners and also the patient to raise. So... You won't hear any chat about that because uh, that I already had interviewed everybody before I got to speak that day. But I did a survey with a lot of you recently to find out what it was you wanted your GPs to talk to you about and whether or not you wanted them to ask you about your sexual function. And it was a resounding yes. So I presented that research um, or those survey information to the GPs out at the conference and hopefully now some of them will be encouraged to bring up the subject. So I hope you all enjoy hearing what the general practitioners, nurses um, that attended the Perth Urology Day learnt and 
hopefully what's going to change in their practice from now on. Um, thanks very much for listening. Have a great day. So if you could just tell me who you are, where you work and what the biggest takeaway so far from today is. Oh, hi. My name is Dr. Ade. I'm working for the Department of Justice. I think what the highlight is uh, about ordering the imaging, if you have the symptoms and what best imaging that we have to order as a GP and, of course, the PSA uh, screening. So it's really a big input for us, so for our practice. Thank you so much. So now we're talking to Dr. Jane. Dr. Jane, do you want to tell us where you work and what your biggest takeaways from today were? I work in Joondalup. Mm -hmm. um, and one big takeaway for me was the that there's no need to repeat uh, urine test on people with a urine infection unless they have a, a reason for having complications, which includes being a man, <laughs> yep. but um, also if there are stones present or um, there are some other features that... But just for a woman with a UTI, with a urine infection, um, you can just treat and don't have to follow it up. Great. And there was something else you were talking about as well. Yeah, another interesting takeaway was that if a, a renal stone is about five millimetres or less, it should pass through the ureter because the, the diameter of the ureter is five to six millimetres. Um, it would be quite painful, <laughs> but it's okay to watch and wait in that instance um, if the patient is happy to do that. If it's more than 10 millimetres, then they're really likely to need some treatment to pass the stone. Great. Thank you. Oh, and also, who do you think has been the best speakers so far today? I laughed my head off at Dr. Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny, but the other speakers were great. Yeah. Very high quality of speakers here today. Yeah, I thought um, Dr. Hamid was very funny, and I'm very nervous about having to follow him up this afternoon. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. There. All right. So now we're speaking to Jasmine. Jasmine was the star of today at the Perth Urology Conference. She actually won the quiz. So she got the high score. So Jasmine, what were your takeaways from today? This is um, hi. Um, this is the first time I'm attending the GP urology class. And then I think that it is very, very educational and very, very informative indeed. Um, I think the, the thing that... Um, strikes me the most is uh, the approach towards uh, men's sexual health and um, how we um, can approach with the history taking and an examination and how important it is. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Excellent. So do you, will it change the way you practice? Indeed. For every patient that comes to me, especially patients with comorbids um, and uh, chronic medication, conditions, I will bear in mind that, you know, um, men are probably shy to talk about it and I will take the initiative to us. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So next we have Dr. Rami. Remy. Remy. And Dr. Remy is going to tell us where she's from and what she's learned so far today that's going to change the way she works. Hello. My name is Remy and I work at GP on Beaufort in Mount Lawley. And I've learned a lot today about um, prostate cancer, benign prosthetic hypertrophy and uh, kidney stones. So I've learned quite a bit about um, haematuria and basically not to ignore that symptom. Um, I've learned the best um, radiological investigations for the, various, the three different things and which are um, hard to get and um, which ones are easy to get and which ones are MBS... Um, yeah, that's rebatable. right. Rebatable. Yeah, so for yeah. patients that are listening, that means that some of the, some of it is rebatable on the, on Medicare because not all tests are. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
So, what's your favourite talk so far? Oh, definitely Dr. Ahmed. I've been to all of his um, fringe festival things. It's fantastic and I like Manny's talk as well. They've all been very high quality talks and it's definitely the best conference I've been to. Yeah. Is this your first time? No, I've been to all of them. Oh, no. Oh, okay. All of the, the Perth Urology ones. I have been to all Great. of Perth yep. Urology. Yep. Excellent. Well, I Thank hope you, you enjoy the much. rest of the day. Thanks. I do. Thank you. Uh, if you could just tell us your name and what you learnt this morning. Uh, my name's Graham Farquhar. Um, I've been very, very impressed by Perth Urology and uh, the, the seminar so far, and it really highlights the need for the Royal College of GPs to update their guidelines for PSA screening uh, because basically they've, they're very backdated at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And Farquhar, isn't that the name of one of the characters on the Shrek movies? Uh, that would be Lord Farquad, so don't get that wrong, for goodness sake. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, here we have Dr Ivan Trigus, who is a GP, and he's at the Perth Urology Masterclass Day, and we're going to ask what he's learnt new this morning. Yes, well, now they can do a perineal biopsy under local anaesthetic, which saves uh, admission to hospital and general anaesthetic, so that's a big advance from what my, I went through myself. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Please tell me name and what you, where you work and what your takeaway is. Okay. My name is Anjan Sharma. I work at uh, North Perth Family GP and Broadway Medical in Ellenbrook. And my biggest takeaway today is such a good refresher, like to suddenly you feel all of your PSA, whatever, all little, little, little questions that keep roaming around your mouth, in your head. All the urologists, they just explain it, they discuss it so nicely. So it's just, a, it just, I just feel like I've come here to get educated so nicely so that Excellent. So are you going to come? Well. Are yeah. you going to come back next year? Yeah, this is my third year. So, yeah. and then the good thing I, I found about the, the Perth Urology Clinic is, thing is, they organize it very well. Yes, they do. They're very good at organizing. Yeah, I go to other conferences. Ah, you know, yeah, it's all good. It's a conference at the end of the day, but it's so well organized always. Yeah, it is. It's great. We'll have to thank Angela yeah. for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name's Hannah. I'm a GP and I'm currently working up in Merawa. Uh, this is my first time at the Urology Masterclass. I think the um, most helpful take-home point for me was... Um, the information about the recent study with uh, PSA surveillance and the fact that we now have the green light to go ahead and, and start screening kind of the general population. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. So you've just been at the Perth Urology Masterclass all day today. Tell us who you are and what your three biggest takeaways are. Oh, I'm the nurse at Perth Urology. The big takeaway is listen to your patients. Um, quality of life um, is important and... Um, I think give them time to absorb and um, make sure they have got some understanding before they leave. So get them to speak what they didn't understand and have that laid out before they leave the, the premises. Great. Thank you, Kavita. Now we have restorative sexual health nurse practitioner Kendall Gow and she's going to tell us what her top three takeaways were from today's Perth Urology Masterclass? Um, it's a really difficult one because it's been a really good day. So I think the most favourite thing that I've had was the PSA testing update um, and then 
tied in with the imaging, so all the different imaging and what sort of results they're looking for mm -hmm. and how that determines what the next step is. Um, UTIs, we see this a lot in primary care and just on how to manage them in the best way with antibiotics or no antibiotics and what the follow-up care is, which was also tied into hematuria and when to escalate. Um, obviously not refer everyone, but try and pick the right person. And then the next one was... And for, sorry, any, yeah. any people listening that don't know what hematuria is, it's blood in your wee. Yeah, which can be pretty common when you've got a UTI, but obviously you want to investigate a little bit more. Um, and then kidney stones. So these patients were always very difficult to manage on the ward because they are in a lot of pain. So seeing a doctor come up to talk about his experience kind of makes you realise the importance of escalating care and managing the pain and, and actually listening to the patient. Because, um, yeah, there were some aspects where that failed for this, this doctor. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And he even said that he will change his practice following Absolutely. having had yeah. kidney stones. Yeah, so. and it's always funny you see a health professional, we're always the ones to delay getting care because we think we're not dying. Um, and so, yeah, it was an interesting take on his experience. Yeah, that yeah. No, was really great. Okay, thank you. Next up, we have Sharon from Restorative Sexual Health Clinic, and she's also at King Edward. So Sharon is a nurse practitioner, and she has many years' experience in neurology. So let's find out if Sharon learned anything new today. Um, I did, actually. I was really quite shocked to find out that you really should double the PSA number if the patient's on Dewdart. Yep, that, knew? that was new to me too, so that was great. I thought yeah, it was very I mean, good. And I'm on that subject, the other one that interested me was finasteride. If they're on oh yeah. finasteride, it mm. also changes the PSA absolutely. rating. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny because um, I've had a couple of young patients come about erectile dysfunction who've actually been on finasteride for hair loss. So young men in their twenty in their early twenties. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. too, and then they end up with um, erectile dysfunction, exactly. and they're not sure. Absolutely. So, and I noticed that um, Dr. Ahmed, who we heard speak today, mm. actually specialises in that area. Absolutely. So yeah. um, we'll have to start referring people to yeah, him. Yeah, we will, and um, I'm going to see if I can grab him for you to be interviewed next. Great, thank you. No worries. So we're at the Perth Masterclass for Perth Urology and we're talking to Simon. Simon, tell us where you are, who you, who you are, what you do and what you've learnt so far this morning. Okay, well, my name's Simon Quartermain and I work at Sir Charles Gardner Hos Hospital as the nurse practitioner in continence urology. This is my second time at the urology class, Masterclass from um, Perth Urology. And um, I have to say it's been brilliant. So it's sort of verified what I do and it's um, um, consolidated some of the knowledge that I have. And the things that I found important this morning for myself has been the different types of uh, laser therapy, the Holmian laser therapy and the green light laser therapy because we actually don't do the green light at Sir Charles Gunn Hospital at this stage. So I found that quite interesting. Great. Thanks very much. Hopefully you learn more as the day goes on. So now we're speaking to Dr. Andrew Tan, who is one of the directors of Perth Urology Clinic, and he did a talk this morning. So tell us what your three takeaways are from this morning's chat. Hi, Melissa. I spoke about holmium laser enucleation of the prostate, also known as HOLEP. Mm -hmm. And it's been around for um, about 20 years, and uh, it's a great operation to remove obstructing tissue in very large prostates. Mm -hmm. um, one of the benefits is that 
compared with other laser prostatectomies, you actually get um, tissue for histological analysis. Mm-hmm. So if there's prostate cancer there um, in the adenoma, you'll diagnose it. And uh, it's a, one of the most durable treatments for relief of bladder outlet obstruction uh, mm-hmm. because it removes all of the prostate adenoma and um, allows patients to um, not have to come back for repeat treatments. Great. And are there many people in Western Australia that do this? Uh, I was the lone ranger for quite a number of years, but um, there are sort of younger urologists who are coming on board who are willing to learn the technique. It does require quite a bit of a time invested and it's a significant learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and the operations do take longer than a standard TURP, but yeah. mainly because we're dealing with larger prostates. Sure. But um, it's one of the most studied um, urological procedures for BPH worldwide. Mm-hmm. And um, the results show that um, it's now uh, considered to be you know, the, the gold standard treatment for enlarged prostates over 80 cc's. Great. And why would you choose that over a TURP? What, what would the advantages be? Well, mainly, I mean, a, t- a TURP is a good operation for a more moderate-sized prostate. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get into very large prostates, the problem with the TURP is you can't uh, remove that much tissue because the risk of bleeding and also fluid absorption goes up. Mm-hmm. So with a um, whole lip, uh, there's no size limit to what you can treat. Um, So it's got those sorts of benefits. And you can use it to treat really any size of prostate. It's just that it really comes into its own in the really large prostates. That's great. Thanks very much. Okay. So now we have one of our other speakers today, which is Dr. Jeff. Now, just for any of my patients that are listening, I just need to say that my um, little friend Jeffrey is with a G. I know you all have met Jeffrey and a lot of people who haven't seen me as a patient um, have heard about Jeffrey on the podcast. So my little pretend Jeffrey is Jeffrey with a G, but we have Dr. Jeff with a J today. So what do you think your, well, where do you work and what's your three takeaways from today? Thanks, Melissa. I'm glad it's spelled with the G. Um, so I primarily work at St. John of God Murdoch. Um, I do do some work at uh, Mount Lawley. My specialty is really neurogenic bladder. I do do sexual health in terms of um, operating, putting in prosthetics and uh, also male incontinence is my other area of uh, interest. Great. And so out of the talk you gave today on urinary tract infections, what's your takeaway that you'd like people listening to know? Look, I think uh, urinary tract infections is really common and a lot of you listening probably have experienced it um, in the past. The occasional infection is not a major issue and it's not uncommon and there's no unfortunately an answer to us to why we get an infection there could be anything that you're genetically predisposed Um, it may be something uh, like kidney stones so what I tend to say if you're getting recurring infections and your GP's been treating you and you've had maybe more than two or three infections in a year you probably need further evaluation and you need to talk to your GP about that. That's great. Thanks very much and I look forward to the rest of the day. So now we have Dr. Manny Saluja. I don't know if I said your name right, did I? That's absolutely correct. Amazing. Yeah. I usually get these things wrong. So I would just you had a great talk today or a few great talks and I was just wondering if you could give us your top tips. Yeah, thank you, uh, Melissa. Uh, so I did a talk on kidney stones today and how to prevent kidney stones and what to do when you form kidney stones. So one thing I would like to say is stone prevention or preventing kidney stones is very important. So people need to try to drink 
more water, especially the ones who do have a history of having kidney stones, try to drink at least two to two and a half liters of water a day and cut down the amount of salt intake and also the amount of meat intake they have, red meats worse and seafoods worse as well. So if you do have a kidney stone, there can be up to a 50% chance you have it in, again in another five years. So having preventing um, strategies to, uh, to help decrease that risk is very important. Uh, also, if you do have a kidney stone and you haven't had it checked up by a GP or a urologist, it might be worthwhile just to have a chat to them because sometimes there are big kidney stones in the kidney which may also cause you pain or may need treatment um, even if they're not causing you any pain or discomfort. Yeah, that was something that I really took away from your talk was it's, I've always kind of thought, oh, if you see it, you know, incidentally on a CAT scan or something, a pelvic CAT scan, oh, I don't really need to worry about it if it's not causing them problems. But the thing I took away today was if it's quite large, it's worth sending off to a urologist anyway because it probably will down the track cause problems and you want to get on top of that. That's right. The small stones may potentially pass by yourself and sometimes they can cause pain too, but the large ones certainly are unlikely to pass and eventually you will need some treatment for that. So if you do discuss that and try to do it in your own timeline in terms of treatment rather than ending up having to go to emergency or having a stone which is too big to treat and needed more uh, invasive strategies, it's almost better for you. Yeah, that was great. So thank you very much. Thank you, Melissa. So now we're talking to Dr. Alaric Picardo, and um, I'm going to ask him about what his top three takeaways are from the talk he did today. Uh, thanks, Melissa. Yeah, so I gave a talk about imaging uh, for mainly prostate cancer, and there's been a lot of uh, changes uh, over the last uh, five years in this uh, aspect. Um, and so the main takeaways is that one, MRI has really changed uh, the game in terms of uh, reducing the morbidity associated with uh, PSA screening. Uh, secondly, uh, PSMA PET scan is a new modality that uh, Australia has really led the way in terms of uh, innovating and incorporating this into practice. And it's now uh, the standard of care um, in terms of staging for prostate cancer. And finally, um, renal tract ultrasound uh, is probably one of the most underutilised um, and simple investigations with no morbidity that can really uh, give you a good understanding of uh, lower urinary tract function. Yeah, that was, that was one of my big takeaways from the day. I didn't really realise that ultrasound was so effective. Yeah, absolutely. It's an old investigation um, and yeah, very easy, very cheap uh, with yeah, no morbidity. And so, yeah, it just provides a lot of information. Great. Thanks very much. So next up, we have Steve McCombie. He's also a doctor at Perth Urology Clinic and he also does some public work out of Fiona Stanley Hospital. And he's done a couple of talks today and I've learned a lot from those. So I want to ask him what his three top takeaways are. Um, so from my talks, the, the takeaways really are that assessment of men with lower urinary tract symptoms is, is straightforward mm -hmm. um, and you can adopt a patient-centered approach and try different medications based on their various risk factors. Mm -hmm. That was my first talk. Yep. Um, on the bladder cancer talk, really emphasizing the importance of visible hematuria and the importance of bladder cancer as a diagnosis and that all patients should be investigated. Yep. Um, and now, just on that point, yeah. I really yeah. liked the fact that um, you were talking about that, that if you've got blood in your urine, just yeah. for anyone listening who doesn't know what hematuria is, that's what it is, um, that they really should be investigated. And particularly with men, isn't it? Because men are much less likely to get 
urinary tract infections for other reasons. So. Well, that's right. Men, um, if they get a urinary tract infection, that's an indication usually of an obstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they have a, so we have a higher threshold for investigating them. But with visible hematuria, so blood in the urine, if women get it as well, they should be fully investigated. Bladder cancer outcomes are unfortunately much worse for women. Mm-hmm. And because being a man is a risk factor, sometimes women are under-investigated. Okay. So I'd encourage referral of all patients who get visible hematuria to see a urologist. Great. And... Yeah. Um, just explain with that. So, uh, even whether you're male or female, what's the biggest lifestyle factor that gives you a risk of having bladder cancer? Yeah, the biggest one is undoubtedly smoking. Yep. Um, so, the three biggest factors are being a man, being over 50, and smoking. Mm-hmm. There are some occupations that put you at risk, such as working in a factory in the textiles or rubber industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the, smoking is the main one. Yeah, yeah, I always tell patients that don't smoke, it's the worst thing for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And, and your second talk, what's your takeaways? Yes, so um, so that was on the bladder cancer. And then my, my other talk was on um, medical therapies for benign prostatic hyperplasia, mm-hmm. a very common problem. Uh, lots of men have that and lots of men have lower urinary tract symptoms, but really trying to identify which men may be suitable for treatment. And then not all men do need treatment and that conservative strategies and reassurance that they don't have anything serious going on can be enough for a lot of men. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I think that's a big thing. I get here all the time when men come in to see me and they've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. I don't have any symptoms. And yeah. I always say, if you did have symptoms, you're more likely to have an enlarged prostate than, yes. bladder can- than yeah. um, prostate cancer. Absolutely. So benign growth occurs on the inside of the gland mm-hmm. and that compresses the urethra or the water pipe and causes symptoms. Whereas prostate cancer occurs on the outside of the gland. And usually by the time you get symptoms from prostate cancer, it's quite advanced. That's not a reliable sign. And it was really interesting to hear Matt's talk from afar on uh, PSA screening and the importance of that and how the evidence has really shifted in recent years. Yeah, no, it was great. So I was going to invite you back one day. So keep listening, everybody, because we'll get Steve back to talk just about bladder cancer, I think, because there's a whole subject on that that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. So tell me who you are, where you work and what you learnt today. Hello, my name's Vicky Ripley. I'm a GP. I work up in Craigie. Um, I've learned lots of interesting things today, but for me as a GP, my take-home message probably is the active surveillance of prostate issues and particularly raised PSA and my role in that as a GP. And also the fact that um, rectal examination is not really that big a thing anymore, which I think a lot of my patients will be delighted to hear. Are you, are you relieved yourself? Oh, I don't really mind, but <laughs> yep. I think it's it's nicer for patients and, you know, it does speed up the consult as well. So definitely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so today we have Dr. Trenton Barrett. He has presented this morning and he's presenting again this afternoon. No, that's wrong. Just edit that, Melissa. Um, today we're speaking to Dr. Barrett. He's um, presenting this afternoon at the Perth Urology Day and we're just um, wondering what his takeaways are going to be from that talk. And for any of my patients who are listening have asked me if I'm Trent's mother or wife, I'm neither of the above. It is a problem. People think that we've got some sort of racket going on, but, yeah. uh, you know, d- different Barretts. You've got your Hadley Barrett, which is a different variety. That's right. So I'll be giving two talks this afternoon. Here's a sneak preview. The first is on vasectomy and vasectomy reversal. And the takeaway message from that is simply that vasectomy is a effective form of permanent male contraception. And the importance really is in counselling patients to make sure they understand the permanent part of that. Because although reversals, which is the second part of my talk, are possible, they're never guaranteed to work. Following from that, though, I will talk about vasectomy reversals and present some of my data from the last 97 patients I've done a reversal for, which demonstrate good success rates with 90% success within 10 years of the vasectomy and 70% in all comers after 10 years. 
The second talk I'll be giving is about scrotal masses or testicular lumps. And the takeaway from this is that when you're self-examining the scrotum, there are a lot of things inside the scrotum beyond the testicle. And really, when you're thinking about testicular lumps and bumps, the ones you're worried about within the scrotum are ones within the testicle, because they're almost always a form of malignancy, except in rare cases where they could be inflammatory with infection or hematoma secondary to trauma. Anything outside the testicle, so things in the epididymis like epididymal cysts or varicoceles in the spermatic cord, these are benign findings and usually can be treated with reassurance, surveillance or, you know, sometimes surgery if there's bother from these pathologies. But it's, a, uh, but it's less concerning than a mass within the testicle itself. That's great. Thank you very much, Trent. Now, you won the best speaker at the last masterclass. So are you trying to back that up? Well, you know, I think I've got stiff competition here. Um, all my colleagues have presented entertaining and uh, fruitful talks this morning. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for it, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, thanks very much. So we're just going to chat to Trent about his lumps and bumps and testicle problems. So my second talk is about uh, testicular masses and lumps and bumps. And the take-home message from there is really simple. It's that Within the scrotum, if you're feeling a mass within the testicle itself, it's very likely to represent a cancer and needs urgent attention. Whereas any mass you feel outside the testicle could be an epididymal cyst or a varicocele, usually benign and can, you know, the management can range from reassurance to surveillance to referral if there's any bother from the problem. That's great. Can I ask you one question about that? Of course. If someone has, if the lump or bump in their testicle is painful, is that more likely to be one thing rather than another or it's all the same? Look, I don't think you'd make any decisions based on that. Any lump within the testicle is assumed to be a cancer unless proven otherwise by a urologist. So whether it's painful, painless, um, enlarging, not enlarging, I think it needs urgent attention. Great. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there. All of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast to get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man